Welcome to the Retirement Clinic with your host, Jeff Kowal, from the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialists. And this is the Retirement Clinic. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in with Jeff Kowal, president of the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialist. I'm Paul Kronforce. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Paul. How are you? I'm fantastic. (laughs) And I should mention, you know, it's holidays, Jeff, holiday weekend, some people out of town, maybe some people visiting their relatives. We are live and ready to take phone calls. That's right. Your eyes get really wide. Yep, we're live. We're uh, here live and in person. So if you have questions about your retirement plan, this, this show is for everybody. Our practice itself is for those with $750,000 or more in retirement assets at the Kowal Investment Group. But this show is for everybody. So if you have questions about your retirement planning, if there's something that keeps you up at night that uh, you're worried about, if you're close to or already in retirement and not sure what questions to ask your employer, give us a call. You know, what you said is kind of, if we sit back and think about it, everybody listening eventually will retire. <laughs> I mean, eventually. Yes, you hope that's the goal. You might be 25, 35, 45. Maybe you're nearing retirement and you're starting to get a little bit excited, but you're concerned about, you know, when do I start taking Social Security? Fox News just did a big story on people using Social Security the wrong way, Jeff. They're, and this is last, this was Wednesday, Wednesday of last week. And their point was that most people take it too early, missing out on Thousands of dollars. And collectively, Americans, it adds up to billions. That's always a possibility. But we, but if you put a pencil to it, they may or may not be right with that. Because there is a break-even point where if you take it out early, you do, have a, you do get a smaller amount and your, uh, um, your spouse will get a smaller amount. But you don't know when you're going to die. You don't know when your number's up. So there is no exact rule, uh, rule that says you should take it or you should wait. And you get that till you die, right? Yes. Social Security. Certainly. And then uh, your spouse uh, gets uh, your benefit if, uh, if you pass away. If it's higher than your spouse's, you get the high, your spouse gets a higher benefit. So that's where you could. But they don't you know, get both. They will not get both, okay. no. But you don't lose out. You would get the higher ones. You basically lose a, a percentage of your income because of the spouse um, has passed away. Uh, you bump up to the higher amount. But still, if you wait till you're age 70, that's the highest you can get. Beyond age 70, you cannot get a higher Social Security amount. That's it. Uh, so you so it doesn't make sense to wait beyond that and hold off and take it later than that because you're just giving up money there. That's just one example of the many things you do with your clients, Jeff. I Absolutely. Mean, hey, put a pencil and paper, figure it out, do the math. How much money do you need to live on? Uh, do you look at it as a monthly payment? Americans are so wrapped up in what's it costing me a month? Yeah, most of our clients do look at that. We, when we look at it... Um, most clients are engaged with net spendable. They know how much, because you say how much you make a year, how much you need to live off of. But then you go, you work it backwards and say, okay, this is how much you're taking home. Both of you are taking home. And of that, how much do you save, how much you need to live off of. So that's what we use for, we use net spendable income. And I think that that's very helpful for a lot of people. Uh, to, and that's on a monthly basis for the most part. Did I mention that we're live and we're here to take phone calls? <laughs> I think I did, but I did not give out the phone number and I did not officially welcome you to the program. Questions, any question that you have on retirement, that could be what we just talked about. Social security, 401k plans, rollovers, taxes, estate planning, 
the Roth IRA, life insurance questions. Overall, are you on the right track? When do you want to retire? Do you have enough money? Some Americans, Jeff, we hear these stats, little, literally no savings. Yes. Just a few thousand it, dollars packed away, and it, they're working paycheck to paycheck. Yes, it's amazing to me that the individuals in their uh, 50s and, and mid-50s have less than $50,000 set aside for their retirement. That, to me, is amazing. Um but you have to start early if you can. Uh, certainly, we've talked about in the past that it makes sense to put the um, uh, at least the amount that you uh, that the company matches at least put that in, and then make a conscious effort to increase the percentage that you put in every time we get a raise. If you get a raise of five percent or three percent, even three percent, if you increase your the amount that's going into your 401k from 5% to 6%, you'll never notice it. And yet you'll be building up a great amount for retirement planning. If you, A lot of times a Roth 401k is a great option for you because you pay the taxes up front. And then that portion of it grows tax-free. It's a great option. I was just about to say saving is easy. Saving money for retirement is easy. And then I caught myself. It's really not easy, but if you set yourself up, Jeff, it almost becomes every paycheck. You're not thinking about the money they That's take right. out. It, you set it up. It comes out. You get used to that net amount on your paycheck. Yeah. And life goes on. You just contribute, contribute, contribute. That's right. And when you get a raise, even if you put a little bit more into your 401k, you're right. The net amount always goes up. So you, you still have more money to spend. You still see a benefit from your raise, even though you put more money into your retirement plan. That being said, Jeff, I know things are changing. You don't just set it and forget it. You must constantly, I mean, have somebody like you monitor that, make changes if necessary. You might be heavy in stocks when you're younger. You might want to change that. Yeah, you're t- and you talk. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit too because a good, great jobs report. So we'll talk about a little bit about asset allocation and retirement. Great jobs report for for uh, June. But I want to start with a. Uh, Kiplinger's retirement report article. I don't know if you gave the phone numbers yet. The Did phone you? number to call. Is, <laughs> I always forget in your show. Why is that? That's I okay. set it all I, up. I'm and well the... prepared. So if we if we get calls, it's awesome. If we don't, that's okay too. So uh, I want to take some phone calls. But you also have a lot to do, Jeff. We've got segments in the second half of the show, the sexy segment. We have the boss minute coming up, I believe, after the first break. And you can call in. Here's the number. The Acunet Mortgage. Talk and text number 414-799-1130. Use that number to call in right now. 414-799-1130 for the retirement clinic. I'm going to start with Kiplinger's retirement report. This was age gap creates planning wrinkles. This is, I, th- I think, a, not atypical. Uh, back in 2008, Roy Harvey was only in his mid-50s, but his wife was urging him to retire. She was 66 and retired years earlier, and she had some persuasive arguments. Um he had he, they had enough money. She said, "Why don't you just stop? We can get along." So Harvey relented, retiring when he was fifty-six. A decision that would mean more to the couple than they could have known. Soon after Harvey's retirement, the wife's health deteriorated, and he became her sole caregiver. May of last year, just ten years after his retirement, she passed away. So a ten-year age gap was a. He said that the ten-year age gap was an advantage because he was relatively young and healthy. He was able to provide care for her. That's not how. That's not your dream retirement. No. But I think the other byproduct of it was that retiring early, they got to spend that ten years together, and had she not 
encouraged him to do that, that might not have happened. So you don't, that that's not necessarily a fairy tale, but you know, that it did work out well for them, but these decisions are always pretty complex. Um, especially when there's a big gap in ages between spouses, um, about 9% of all married couples have an age gap of 10 years or more, according to the Census Bureau. And this is about 20% of remarried men. So second marriages, <laughs> there's a bigger <laughs> gap. <laughs> I, I <was laughs> marrying younger, right? Younger babes, yeah. Yep, so. pick, yep. divorcing or, and marrying somebody Or women younger. marrying younger guys. So yep, could, yep. There's a term for that, you know. I Yes, you can say if you want. Uh, Everybody cougar. knows. Cougar. Yeah. Everybody knows. 20% of, of remarried men have a spouse at least 10 years their junior versus 5% of men in their first marriage. So first marriage is only 5% that has a 10-year gap. Yeah. Second marriage is 20%. So that's pretty significant. But there are five common problems. Let me just race through those. Um, first, we can agree on a retire. We can't agree on a retirement date. That's the first problem. Perhaps the older spouse is more than ready to retire while the younger one is just hitting his or her stride. <laughs> and that's, you know, you work a lifetime to get this to this point in your career. And now you're in your mid-50s, you're at the peak of your income, and your wife, not wife necessarily, your husband would say, sure. um, you know, I want to go on vacation, we're healthy, let's... let's Let's do some. I want to go clubbing tonight, honey. Oh, hardly that. <laughs> well, maybe, but you never know. Well, if but it's the, the age gap is twenty years or more, and that. But that's uh, and that's why I say a lot of times staggering retirement dates can be a boon for age gap couples. Younger spouse continues to work, maintains employer health insurance until both partners are eligible for Medicare. Big gap in ages, though. You might, you know, there's different things to consider with that. What we're seeing now is that a lot of times. The younger spouse may be able to stay on at a reduced workload, 30 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week, maintain that health insurance and still have time to spend with the older spouse. So that's one thing. Yeah, you got it. Another one is what you brought up right away. We're confused about Social Security. Social Security claiming decision is critical for age gap couples. That's because a younger spouse may live decades longer than the older partner. The Social Security survivor could make or break her his or her later retirement years. That's when you might want to wait and delay Social Security because that younger spouse would have that higher income for a longer period of time. That would make sense. Yeah, so that's a decision that you have to look at carefully. Uh, problem three, we don't know which down, drawdown strategy is right for us. Age gap couples combined retirement could easily last 40 years. For some couples, they need to make Need may need to make large portfolio withdrawals in the early retirement years, but then a drawdown rate drops substantially when Social Security or other securities kick in. So you're, you're under 59 and a half, you're under 62 before you can take Social Security. You have to be careful with penalties from retirement plans taking income. Uh, when's the best time to take Social Security? So those are all the considerations you have to pay attention a- and to. And this is all with the age gap of 10 years or more? Yeah, that's the, the just this article is that, but it could be five, six, seven years. Even okay. with that, there are going to be some issues. Boy, and I was I was given a lot of, you know, what by my friends when I started dating my wife because she was four years younger than me. That's a huge gap. <laughs> now when she's in eighth grade and you're going right. to college. That's well, that a... was a big deal. Okay. 
And she was essentially in high school and I was in college. And it was a little weird. We ended up getting married, Jeff. Uh, 25 years of great marriage with two kids. And our marriage is stronger than ever. Yeah, that's However, nice. back in the day, that was a big deal. And I got, I got a lot of heat. That was only four. Could you imagine 10 years younger? I can imagine her parents with this old guy coming over. But they liked you, right? They liked me. They uh, liked me a why, lot. Why not? How about a beer, Paul? Sounds good. <laughs> Don's only 14. <laughs> that happens. Wow. So. I mean, it does happen. Well, it, no, she was 15. More, yeah. I met that, her. She that, was 15. That's contributing to a delinquency of a minor, isn't <laughs> I know. that? The, Times are different than Joe. Oh, you bet. Anyway, the, but that's an issue that you're going to eventually have to decide on, too, with a di- little uh, difference in age. Even four it's years. It's not 10 years, but four years makes a difference, too. Oh, yeah. Just let's touch on a couple more of these things before we need to get to a break. We might outlive our money. Many age gap couples struggle to stretch a nest egg over their joint lifespans. Now they can get help from Uncle Sam, um, you know, with with uh, required minimum distributions. If there is a gap of 10 years or more, there's a different table for required minimum distributions. Uh, so at least the government is sensitive in that area. May not be sensitive in a lot of areas. A little compassion in that yeah. area. Last one is uh, problem five for the age gap couples is health costs are frightening. For a younger spouse who wants to retire before she's Medicare eligible at 65, the cost of health insurance uh, can be a deal breaker. Younger spouses shouldn't underestimate the value of sticking with a job, even a low-paying one, that provides health insurance. So when you look at the age gap couples, the problems generally, and these are things that we address in our practice on a regular basis. First of all, can't agree on a retirement date. Second, confused about when to take Social Security. Third was, uh, how do you draw down income, especially if you have traveled and other things in the early years uh, and you don't have Social Security. Problem four is you might outlive their money, and we have uh, a, a cash flow analysis that we had used to address that. And last is health care costs. You have to be well aware of that. We covered a lot already in just a short time. We've been on the air, Jeff. We launched right in. To back up a little bit, we are on WISM, but also on WIBA in Madison. And both stations here, the Coal Investment Group, do market updates Monday through Friday. Then each Saturday, you get a full hour to talk retirement. That's right. Uh, Monday through Friday, WISM Milwaukee, the 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock news block. We give you a minute of what's going on in the market. And then at three, uh, 4.55 on WIBA in Madison, Vicki McKenna Show. Uh, again, the, the, the uh, what's happening in the market is a government report. Is it an uh, interest rate change? Uh, what's uh, something in the world going on? What's affecting your retirement plan and the investments that particular day? Then we'll wrap it up with the Dow, the S&P 500, tech-heavy NASDAQ, uh, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock news blocks on WISN in Milwaukee, 4.55, just before the news at 5 o'clock on WIBA in Madison. And here we sit at the 4th of July weekend, Jeff, you know, like halfway through the year. It's been a pretty good market, pretty strong economy for 2019 That's right. And when we get back from the break, we'll talk about the uh, uh, unemployment numbers, the uh, uh, great uh, er, uh, employment report on Friday that came out. We'll talk about that and how it affects your retirement plan. Uh, I see callers on hold as well. I urge you to be patient for just a few minutes. After the break, we'll take your questions. Here on WISN and WIBA, it is the Retirement Clinic, hosted by Jeff Kowal, president of the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialist. Call the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line right now, 414-799-1130. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Retirement Clinic on WISN. I'm Aaron Kowal with the Boss Minute, business owner's savings and security. It's about owning your retirement, not just your business. Defined benefit pension plans are a dinosaur of the retirement plan world. They were the go-to plan for employers for decades. That started changing in the 1980s when defined contribution plans like 401k plans started taking off. Defined benefit plans became far too complex and costly for employers to keep offering. Now an extremely low percentage of workers are covered by these plans that used to be the norm. Many think these plans are dead. However, they absolutely are not and could be a godsend in the right situation. There are similarities between the defined pension plan and the 401k plan. They can still be invested in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and other instruments. In a 401k plan, the employer and employee determine how much they would like to contribute to the plan. In a defined benefit plan, a detailed analysis is done by an actuary, and the contribution is based on your age, income, and other variables, and they are not limited to the same cap as 401k plans. They absolutely are not right in every situation. Big companies with lots of employees will struggle mightily with a defined benefit plan. A company that could benefit from a defined benefit plan could be a closely held small business owner with one or a small number of owners, owners that are typically at least 45 years old but can be great for younger ones as well, relatively fewer and younger employees, excess cash, and an owner who wants to make greater contributions. In an example of an employer who has a solo 401k, they can typically contribute about $50,000 to the 401k plan. However, someone who's nearly 45 may be able to contribute nearly $200,000, which could save about $100,000 a year in federal and state income taxes. The contribution limit for these types of plans are huge. We have been implementing these types of plans with clients, and they absolutely work, and our clients have been thrilled to be able to save hundreds of thousands of dollars a year pre-tax. So the money will grow tax-deferred, and you'll get to save on taxes now and choose when and how much to draw from the account later on down the road in a potentially more tax-friendly environment. Give us a call now, and we'll do a free review of your company's retirement plan to determine if a defined benefit pension plan is right in your situation. Today's Boss Minute with Aaron Kowal. We do that for business owners' savings and security. It's a weekly feature on the program, Jeff, and it's quite often you want to stress this because a lot of business owners look at it and approach it. This is my retirement plan. And you have to make plans for that if that is the case, that that is your retirement plan, perfect. But you have to make plans for it as well. It doesn't just happen automatically. You don't automatically get income from assets that you get when you sell your business. You have to plan for that. You have to plan for all the things leading up to that. If you can, uh, diversify a little bit, have a retirement plan along with your business. Uh, make sure you have all your contracts, legal contracts, everything else, uh, and plan for uh, difficult situations, for death, disability, all those things. So it is pretty complex, but part of the planning for business owners is to make sure that you have a successful retirement. So the retirement clinic now turns to the phones. Let's take some phone calls. Jeff Kowal here on WISN and also WIBA Madison. There is an office in Madison in Middleton, which is Madison. Right? Middleton is right there. Yes. Um, In addition, many more locations that we'll tell you about in a minute, including the newest in Racine. You may have seen that big billboard along the, uh, I guess it's a sign. No, it's a billboard. No, it's a a sign, but it looks a sign. It's the size of a billboard. It's huge. (laughs) It is massive. And uh, so now, Racine, you've got a Kowal Investment Group near you as well. More on that later and how you can get together off the air and talk with Jeff and his staff. For now, we go to your questions. Cudahy. And Jeff, good morning. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Say, I have a question. Uh, I've been listening to you guys for a while, 
And uh, a big part of a lot of people's retirement is, is what they're going to get out of Social Security and how Medicare will help them with health care coverage. And you hear things off and on about how Social Security will be possibly altering payments in the next, is it eight years, where they may, I see a little, some little uh, uh, blurps where they may be paying 80% of what things are now. And I've heard somewhere in that same time frame that Medicare would be bankrupt. And I'm just curious what you guys are seeing as possible options of what may happen to those two programs uh, going forward in the future. Well, the good thing about that is that people are still contributing to them. So they are funded. They're not entitlement programs necessarily because we do put money into them. So even though they're considered an entitlement program, they're really not. Um, you are absolutely right. They are in, in order to succeed, they're going to have to make some changes in it, which uh, politicians do not want to do. Right. Nobody wants to touch those. Uh, a, a way to save it has been to increase the retirement age, but that's something that President Reagan did 20, 30 years ago, where he was able to um, uh, agree to, re, to raise retirement age from uh, 62, 65 to 67, and ultimately the, the thought is that it'll go to 70, but those are types of things, delay Social Security, reduce benefits, like you were saying, 80% of Social Security, that's one thing that's possible. Uh, you know, One of the things that Paul Ryan did, and, and actually Alan Greenspan and a couple others, Paul Ryan got the closest to it, was to put together a, uh, a way for partial um, privatization of Social Security. Um, th those programs will be around in some form. If you have Medicare for all, I think I don't remember who mentioned it. It may have been Sean Duffy that said Medicare for all means Medicare for none. Yeah. That if if everybody goes on that, then, then God, what a great line! Hospitals are going to close because there's not going to be enough funding. You're not going to get doctors to come and work because they're going to be pay, not going to be paying getting paid for the for what they're worth. We so, have a big election year next year, Jeff. That I mean, that one of the one of those themes is going to be health care. Well, clearly. one of the things that Paul that President Trump did, and, and you know, this is the thing that he's not touching it, which is mind-boggling, but he just thinks we can grow our way out of it. That if we have a strong economy, money will pour into the coffers, and the politicians will do the responsible thing and set money aside for those programs. That's not going to happen. Even with money coming in, they're, they're spending it faster than it comes in. So I, I wouldn't worry about it necessarily. There are definitely going to have to be changes in it, but those two programs, Social Security and Medicare, will still be around when we get out there. Okay, well, thanks for your answer. All right, Jeff, thanks but, for the call. And Jeff, is a great call, a great question, because it's people who sleep over the stuff at night. Will right. Social Security be there? All these years since I've been, whatever, 16 years old, I've been paying into it, and now they're taking it away from me? Well, they haven't yet, but it is a very political hot potato, as you said. That's right, and nobody wants to talk about cutting benefits to seniors, because whoever says that first, the opposing party is going to jump all over them. Oh, um, man. And, uh, and uh, President Bush was smart about it because he put that off to his second term, and but then he got no support in Congress from him because those guys are running for, for office again, so they don't want to support him. Yeah. So he get, President Bush probably got the... the Second President Bush got the closest to it after he got reelected. He said, "Now is the time to tackle that," because he wasn't going for re-election. Re-election, but all these idiots in Congress are all still going for re-election. So that's putting didn't it get any support. I, I, I'll let you continue. I was just going to say what the Democratic debates and the theme of free health care for for all, uh, no Even student illegal. loan debt, erasing all student loan debt, Jeff. 
this is not, this is beyond idiotic. Yeah, it's there's just, not enough money. Going, but, there's no money. But they're giving free stuff to everybody. And who doesn't like free stuff? Of course you like <laughs> free I'm stuff. I'm tempted to vote for Elizabeth Awards. <laughs> Free, there's got to be something free in there for me too. You, you know, it's all campaign gibberish, though, oh, yeah. and you know, yeah. there's no way we can we can do that stuff. Let's talk a little bit about the jobs report, if I could. Um, and this is a Brian Westbury article. He's Brian Westbury is a chief economist for First Trust that we follow pretty closely. And as of July 1st, which is last week, uh, the current economic expansion is the longest in U.S. history, ten years and a day. But just because it's the longest doesn't mean it's the best. The expansions of the 1960s, 1980s, and 1990s all beat it both in terms of pace of growth as well as total growth during the cycle. Yeah, but you hear longest, you assume it's just got to be a, some sort of record. It's yes. the longest. You know, the current expansion uh, happened in spite of tax hikes, more regulation, and aging baby boomers demographic headwinds. No wonder it was slow in what they call the plow horse economy. But now that we have um, uh, fewer regulations, uh, tax cuts, but if you think about it, there were all the things, and and Brian Westbury is pretty good to the way he, he listed all the horror things, horror stories that analysts and investors for the last 10 years were saying were going to happen. Double dip recession. Did not happen. Did not happen. Uh, fear of foreclosures. That didn't happen. Defaults of municipal debt. There was there were one woman in particular that was called, saying uh, all the municipal bonds were going to default. That oh, didn't happen. Back to the foreclosures, just real quickly. There was that bubble burst, that real estate bubble, those upside-down mortgages, Jeff. Yeah. But it was almost as quick as it happened. Right. That real estate market turned right back around again. But some of these things will sound familiar. Commercial real estate, banking crisis in Cyprus, China slowed down multiple times, Greece leaving the euro, that didn't happen, fiscal cliff, Brexit, Obamacare, hyperinflation, quantitative easing, recession from quantitative tightening, on and on. All the things that the media was saying was going to happen, none of it happened. And what Brian Westbury in this article says is that the one thing we can count on in the next 12 months will include stories of impending doom. We think investors who resist these stories will prosper. So if you can get over the bad news, and yesterday's job report was really good. 224,000 jobs created in June. Uh, Labor Department says wages went up 3.1%. Okay, because that was my first question. The cynics would say... Great, we added jobs, but are they the $9 an hour variety jobs? Yeah, wages going up, great jobs. These are full-time jobs, yeah. not part-time jobs like in the last administration. These are all full-time jobs. With wages going up. With wages going up. Um, oh, the, the Westbury had an article a couple of weeks ago that said, you know, because last month we had 75,000 jobs that we were created. I think they upgraded the number of 72,000 jobs. And he says, well, that's terrible. No, you actually only need to average 95,000 jobs to maintain 3.7 uh, unemployment rate, 95,000 jobs a month. And through the first six months of this year, employers have added on average 172,000 jobs a month. Wow. So if we need 95,000, we're still beating that. Uh, healthcare sector did, did, did well last month, manufacturing. The thing about this is, is that now that we have a good jobs report, everybody is, is starting to say, yeah, but it's slower. There's only so many people that, so we're, we're at full employment. Yeah. They say once you're at 5% or 4%, you're at full employment. Meaning there's nobody, everybody that wants a job has one already, Jeff. They can't get, yeah. The, and the, the ones that, don't have jobs are either the chronically unemployed or unemployable. Um, 
so so you know, you're going to hear talks of gloom and doom, um, and that's going to continue. But resist the urge to buy into that. Uh, things still should be good. Taxes are still low. Interest rates are still relatively low. I heard you and Bob talk about how low interest rates on the previous show on the real estate show. Mortgage rates. Talking about how low mortgage so rates are. So low right 3. now. 3.625% for on a 30-year 30, 30 yeah. fixed. So you have low interest rates. Oil price, gas prices are still relatively low. Uh, all those things contribute to a strong economy, and companies are making money. So um, you're going to hear things over the next uh, year about how bad things are going to be and how it's going to turn around. We're headed into a recession. Media is going to push that for next year because we have an election coming up next year. There might be a recession sometime, Jeff, in the future. I don't know when that is, but they've been saying that for years now. It's interesting. We were in uh, Australia uh, earlier this year, and they've gone 28 years without a recession. So you don't have to have – most people think, well, we've gone – It's cyclical. Sure, we've we gone 11 years. One. We have to have a recession. We don't have to have a recession. Um, a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Negative growth. Yeah, very good, Paul. Thank, Thank you. And um, so uh, Australia didn't have that. They came close, but they didn't have that. Um, and we don't have to have that, especially if we continue the same economic climate, uh, companies making money. Low taxes, I think that that can, um, uh, it doesn't, we don't have to have a recession. Um, but well, if but, Australia can do it, we can do it, Jeff. <laughs> but they'll talk about it. They'll <laughs> say the China deal is collapsing, so that's going to cause problems. Or, And it, it might, but still, they need us more than we need them. So even though it's not, I, I, th- I think President Trump is doing the right thing with these trade deals. So when you look at your retirement plans, you look at your investment accounts, stay the course, make sure that you have good diversification. Call us if we can help. Um, you, you mentioned our, our website is thekowalway.com, the Kowal, K-O-W-A-L, thekowalway.com. Um, go online. You can click a button to contact us. We can get an appointment with us. If you have $750,000 or more in retirement assets, these are the types of things that we manage over almost a billion dollars of assets for our clients. Uh, plus, we're sensitive to your planning for, to make sure that you have a, a successful retirement. Um, so we address all the issues related to retirement planning along with the investments. I mentioned earlier the Racine location. And quickly before we take our break here, Jeff, and then we do have the sexy segment coming up. More time for calls if you want to call in. We are live on WISN and WIBA. In addition to Racine, which is at Highway 20 and the freeway, right? Right on the... Uh, right. Can't miss it. 94, yep. Um, you've got your main world headquarters located in Waukesha. You're right in Port by the, Washington. Yeah, right by a machine shed restaurant, Thunder Bay Grill. So it's very conveniently located. There too, right off the freeway. Right. So easy to get to. In Madison, in the Middleton office, in Phoenix, Arizona, licensed in that state. In fact, you're licensed in... in 27 states. Wow. That's kind of the nature of our practice where people retire and go somewhere else. Unfortunately, they... they think highly enough of us that they keep us as their advisors, even though they go somewhere else. But 40% of our clients either live somewhere else or spend a good time of the year somewhere else. 40%. Well, it makes sense. You retire. You may want to get out of here. Yep. Even either part-time or yep. full-time. Yep. I don't exactly. begrudge anybody for that. It's yeah. your retirement. You can live where you want. Although I think the state is beautiful. 
Yep. Just a little cold From at times. May, May to October, there's nowhere better place to be. <laughs> I think good point. We're going to come back, Jeff. A quick commercial break right now with the Retirement Clinic. Jeff Kowal is your host. Uh, they are part of Barron's Top Financial Advisors. This is something that, Jeff, you very proud of your staff. For the last now uh, six years, dating back to 2014, Barron's Top Financial Advisors. Financial Times Top 400 Advisors. Milwaukee Biz Times Future 50. Your son, Aaron Kowal. He's up and coming, right? He oh, absolutely. Was, he was named on the Forbes list of top 500 next generation wealth advisors the last two years in a row. You get a lot of experience with the staff. You hear him do the market reports Monday through Friday on both stations. And quite honestly, Jeff, you've been bringing in more of your staff lately right. to hosting and co-hosting the show. Just a great team. And I think what's important for a lot of people who are considering retirement or already in retirement is from top to bottom in our team, everybody talks retirement planning. Uh, so it's not the one retirement guy that you got to go see when you're about to retire. Uh, and we'll do everything else when you're retiring. Yeah, we got a guy for that. Everybody on our team talks the same language regarding retirement planning. Now, we call it the sexy segment, but it's all about wealth management and preservation, keeping that money once you get to a certain point. We're going to get to that next. Coming up here on WISN and WIBA, you are tuned in to the Retirement Clinic with Jeff Kowal. We'll be right back. For those of you... um, you know, this is funny. We play this music, Jeff, every week for the sexy segment. I think we had some people ask, what's the name of that song? Well, you and I, like growing up, I heard this song oh, sure. on commercials, on TV shows. Uh, it's David Rose. Yeah, it's a stripper theme. And it's called, it's called the stripper theme. Yeah. yeah. So we but, jokingly play it, but we call it the sexy segment. Because you think, Jeff, wealth and management, that's kind of a sexy well, thing, Well, this right? is about wealth management and preservation. Once you've accumulated some wealth, how do you preserve it? grow it, take income from it, and pass it on to your heirs. That's the sweet spot of what we do in the sweet spot of this segment. Um, Designed for those with a million dollars or more. And some people may say, well, I don't have a million dollars. Well, if you have $500,000 in your retirement plan and $500,000 home, you're at a million dollars. If you have life insurance, you have a million dollars, you're at $2 million. If you own your second home or other investments, if you own your own business, you may be at $3 million or $4 million or $5 million or more. If you get an inheritance, all number of things can make it $10 million, $20 million or more. This segment is for you. Uh, this a uh, particular one is uh, one from Kiplinger's Retirement Report, the new issue that just came out. And I thought this was really good because it's, uh, the title of it says, Don't Let Your Kids Wreck Your Retirement. Oh, boy. And it says, This you, could get good. Well, are your kids putting your retirement at risk? Parents of adult children give their kids about $500 billion annually. Now, Adam, my son's in town. I give him 50 bucks, but I don't give him billions of dollars. But you mean <laughs> add it up? Oh, yeah. In, in, in this country. Yep. The $500 billion annually, double the amount they contribute to their own retirement accounts. Double the amount. And roughly half of the parents in a recent bank rate survey said that paying their adult children's bills was jeopardizing their own retirement. Adult half children. Pay- That's the key. Half of parents said that their half of the parents said that their own retirement could be in jeopardy because they're helping their kids. Nearly eighty percent of parents give their adult children some sort of financial support. Uh, this is according to a Maryland survey. So this is different from paying for college tuition. Yeah, uh, 
up to a point now. There, there may be some college debt now that they're paying off, but that's that's a different issue. Um, but they're paying bills like cell phone bills or mortgage payments and other big ticket items. A stunning number are willing to make major financial sacrifices for their adult kids. One in four said they'd take on debt to support their kids. Um, and financial advisors say they're battling to protect clients' retirement savings from adult kids. Uh, in the worst cases, the financial help is just enabling the kids to live beyond their means and depleting their parents' nest eggs. And you might say, well, we love them. We need, you might be doing right. more harm than good by continually giving Some them money. Some help is understandable. You love your kids. You want to see them do yeah. well. But if if it comes to the point where it's jeopardizing your retirement, guess who's going to have to help you? Your kids may have to help you. It's going to come full circle. It's going to come full circle Turn because you're going to run out of money and they won't be in a position to help you. Uh, Nick Kovach helped his older daughter, adult daughter, who had been paying down student loans with a down payment on the house and he plans to do the same for his younger daughter. Neither kid asked for help. I think that's fine. I mean, if you have uh, the money to do it. But he's reasonably confident that he's not jeopardizing his retirement security. Um, tighten a couple things in the article that goes on. It says tighten the purse strings. How do you know when your financial support of your adult children has gone too far? One red flag is when parents can't see the end. Um, in other words, your support isn't putting the kids on the path to independence. That's an interesting point. Yeah. If if they keep coming back for more and they can't handle it on their own. You're an enabler. Yeah. Writing a check may not be the answer. Um, and if you, if you find yourself significantly altering your lifestyle or pulling money from your retirement accounts, start, start to, it's time to start examining the level of support you're giving I them. I totally agree. They're not... 12, they're not 15, they're not even 17 anymore. And again, they're you adults. love your kids. I, I understand that. But if you if you can't support yourself in retirement, if you don't have a successful retirement, you're not going to be able to help them. Yeah. And it's just going to complicate the problems. It says, first start talking. If you want to help your children, ask how you can be supportive without discouraging their independence. Writing a check may not be the answer. Maybe you could help look after the grandkids in the evening, for example, so that your child can work a second job. That, that's great, Dad, but I was really looking for cash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really this, nice of you to offer $12, $12 an hour is okay, but uh, yeah, I was looking for a larger check. Uh, set, if you do provide financial support, set limits. Make it clear that you have a budget and you're sticking to it. If you have multiple children, just be aware that the assistance you provide one child may set expectations among the oh, others. Oh, totally. You mentioned before you gave 50 bucks to your son, Adam. Yeah. Because he's visiting in town, right? Yes. You did all the summer fest guys. Do you think Aaron's listening? Even if he is, I give I take the kids his his kids. I'll take him for ice cream. I'll take him to <laughs> have lunch it on, uh, on the beach. It does. But you know that goes. Out. If I see my brother Ron get whatever from my parents, wait a minute. What about me? And I can see Aaron and Laura say, uh, "Don't give us the money. Give it to the grandkids." So they right. would say, <laughs> "If you're gonna keep it even, give it to the grandkids." Which in the roundabout ways, they, is, yeah, still giving it to them. You're but, still giving it to them. Yep. Uh, this also, Jeff. This we could spend an hour. You know, like Dan O'Donnell, Belling, and Jay Weber do topics like this. Should you pay for your college kid's cell phone? This is a big discussion we had. Yeah. Um, in our case, I'm going to be honest, Sydney's 21, but she's still a junior in college, a yeah. senior. She'll be a senior next year. We pay for her cell phone. She's on the, the family plan. Yep. And I've heard some parents say, ah, you're enabling her. That's wrong. You shouldn't well, we do it. we were doing it for a long time with Adam, too. And I don't, really, I don't think 
I don't remember. I think it may have been close to when he got engaged or something. We finally said, this yeah. is nuts. That's what, and my thought is when you get out of college, you're going to get your first job, you're done. You know, yeah. then, then that's it. Um, you're going to have to pay for the cell phone. And we did with our other daughter. We stopped paying. We don't pay for any of Peyton's stuff. Yeah. Um, so every family so are you is worried that your daughters are listening so that they might say, why do you pay for Peyton? I with? thought about that after I said yeah. it. I <laughs> so, opened yeah. my big mouth and I'm thinking... Yep. Uh, but it's, you know, they're different ages and one's out of college already. Anyway, um, I yeah. can see where this can be a big family just issue. A, yeah, just a couple last things. Make it clear that you have a budget sticking to it. If you're having trouble closing the bank of mom and dad, consider involving a mediator. In a family meeting, for example, a financial advisor can do the math for your kids and say, so how everybody runs out of money at age 80, that has to stop. Uh, no finger pointing. This is not that you don't love me anymore. It's that I do love you so that I don't have to be dependent on you. Yeah. I think that's a good well. And, and this is not about millennials, Jeff. It's just all kids. I mean, now that's Generation Z. My kids are in that generation. The next one after the millennials. So this is not like a generalization. As about for any certain, generation. No, 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 not at all. No. It says any any adult kids. And it could be facing, and you know, from 2000, I, I understood it. I mean, we saw a not larger number of adult kids in 2008, 2007, 2008, 2009, to 2010, right in that range. Kids getting out of college couldn't find jobs. Uh, people, in uh, even adults in their mid-30s, 40s, were coming home to live with parents because they, they ran out of money. They ran out of their job. and So that was happening a lot. But now with full employment, there's no reason to be, and be we are, not not working a job. And we're at that full employment. Yeah. yeah, if you want a job, you can get one. Yeah, it may and, not and, be the highest paying job, but, but you, you can move up too because there are jobs available so that you can move up if you want more money. Now is the best time to do it because the economy is so strong. Uh, that is a good segment. I could ask all kinds of questions, but we're, we got to take a break. Uh, Jeff, good sexy segment today on the retirement clinic. Makes you think, too. And if you're a parent, you're out there. I'm sure people are thinking through this. And I don't want to give the wrong impression. There's nothing wrong with helping out your kids. We're not, not. I'm not suggesting that you don't do that. But don't put, in, put, don't put your retirement plan in jeopardy because try and overdo it with the kids. Or maybe it's a little thing. Like you said, maybe your kids... Now we're having kids, you're the grandparents, and you just take them out for treats every yep. now and then. It's those little things, Jeff, that sometimes help babysit every now yep. and then. and help financially with them as well. Uh, but not dole out By thousands and right. thousands of dollars. So a quick break here in the retirement clinic. Remember, Jeff's website is called thekowalway.com, thekowalway.com. Check it out. When we come back, we'll give you the office phone number and how to get in touch with Jeff and his staff off of the air. WISN and WIBA, the retirement clinic. We'll be right back. Okay, we are wrapping up this week's retirement clinic. And we first off, thank you every week for tuning in. Uh, Jeff, we are on WIBA. So you've got an office in Middleton. You've got an office in Port Washington. You're in Phoenix, Arizona. And world headquarters in Waukesha. We mentioned a new location in Racine, thekowalway.com. That's right. If you have $750,000 or more in retirement assets and you're serious about your retirement planning, please give us a call. Again, from top to bottom, we've got great advisors that are very sensitive to your needs in retirement. Make sure that you're going to be comfortable in retirement. We address all areas of planning. Again, the sweet spot for us is if you're close to already in retirement and you've accumulated some wealth, how do you preserve that wealth, grow it, take income from it, 
and then pass it on to your heirs. Or, Paul, you mentioned every once in a while, what if you want to blow it? Or, or, not, or not pass <laughs> it on. not pass that to your heirs and give it all to charity. Yeah, sure. maybe you pass off some, but not all of it. But the yeah. thing is that that's, we, we have the capability and the expertise to help you with all of your retirement planning. Again, uh, everybody in our office is in tune with all the tax laws with regard to retirement planning, all of the, the issues with long-term care, with cash flow analysis, make sure you have enough. We invest almost a billion dollars of assets for our clients. So if you are close to or already in retirement, um, we are fiduciary, so we always put your best interest first. Uh, call us at uh, 262-522-4040, uh, 877-560-4040. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Oh, social media. Social media. And then for the schedule appointment, the Koal Way. And don't forget, come Monday, the market updates are every day, Monday through Friday, both on WISN and WIBA Madison. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Paul. Have a great weekend. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Retirement Clinic, WISN Milwaukee, WIBA Madison.